Hello and welcome back to another 3P podcast episode. I'm your host this week. I'm Josh Romowitz and I am once again joined by Stephen Bonazzo and Alex Castle. Boy, do we have a lot in store for you guys today. We got to talk some basketball. We got to talk some football. First, basketball boys. I, I'm going to be the first one to put it out there. I was wrong about the Clippers going to the finals. That was embarrassing to watch. That game seven, the Nuggets just tore apart them. Paul George looked like a scrub. Kawhi Leonard just, I guess he left his talent in Toronto. I, I don't know what else to say. Help me out, boys. So I think everyone was wrong about the Clippers in game, uh, well, really just this whole season in playoffs. Um, you know, they took down the Mavericks. And a lot of people thought they were going to be facing the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals, which would have been an epic matchup, in my opinion. But you got to give the Denver Nuggets credit, especially uh, Jamal Murray and Jokic. Um, I mean, those dudes, they wanted it. And you can tell Jamal Murray, all playoff, has been on a tear. I mean, his stats compared to the regular season, or just from his first couple seasons in the league to – the regular season for this year and now the playoffs, I mean, you would have thought he was a different player. And then Jochik, uh, Nikola Jochik, uh, tough name to pronounce, but that dude's a baller too. Does not look like one at all. He looks, he does not look, he has any athletic ability at all, but he's one of the game's best right now. Um, one of the best big men in the league. And, you know, it just shows you if you want something, you can go get it. You know, if you want to win that badly, you can do it. Um, and Denver just showed that. They showed it all far. So I think now Nuggets, Lakers, I mean, that's going to be a competitive Western Conference Finals. And the, if you're the Lakers, you can't knock the Nuggets. You can't just say, well, you know what? They're tired now. They went to Game 7, both series. Um like, we, we can handle them. Like, no, like, you got to – because Jamal Murray, Yochik, and the rest of that Nuggets team, they're going to fight until the very end, and they want to keep going. They do not want to go home just yet. So, I'm impressed by them. So, I, like everyone else, thought that the Clippers were going to go to the finals. But as I started to watch that series more and more, I realized something, and that was that leadership qualities – as Kawhi has, I don't really, you know, again, not taking away anything from his skill, but I just don't think Paul George was that guy. Steve, I know you want to jump in. Yeah, no, because you brought up a good point with um, Paul George. And to think you said Paul George is not the right guy for Kawhi. Now, if you're the Clippers, you better hope that changes because of what they gave up for PG. Uh, it was like five first-round draft picks, which is a lot. Whether you know there'd be later draft picks because you got to assume that the Clippers are going to be good with Kawhi. And I mean, usually the Clippers are just always in the playoff contention, so they always have a mid-to-late-round draft pick. But then you know you have a guy like Kawhi Leonard; he's going to make any team good. And then usually PG, you know, brings him brings whatever team he's on to the playoffs. He doesn't go far, but he usually does pretty well. So they gave up five first-round draft picks. Shy Gilgis-Alexander, who we saw at the Thunder, he's starting to become a young star in this league. You know, I wouldn't say superstar or an elite talent, 
But he can, you know, he's got a lot of talent. And I think as each year happens um, and he grows, I think that he's going to be one of the better players in this league. And then they gave up, uh, was it Gallinari? Who, again, Gallinari, yes. He's older, but still a solid veteran. So they did get, uh, give up a lot. So you better hope that this out. And listen, it's the first season. I mean, Kawhi, first season with Toronto, we saw what happened. He won the NBA Finals. But whatever, different circumstances for each season. So you got to think now they better figure it out for next year. But what happens with Doc Rivers? Do you guys think he's going to stay? You think he'll get fired? That's about to be my next question for you guys. Do you think Doc is the right coach for them? At this point, no. I think Doc Rivers, obviously, what he's done with his career as a coach has been, you know, amazing. He's a, you know, he's got a son in the league. He was a player himself. He's an all-around well-respected guy in the NBA. There's no doubt about it. But I think at this point, Doc Rivers, is not, in my opinion, is not the coach because I don't think he's the right coach in this new league. I mean, you got to look at the different types of players that we're dealing with now, the different types of teams, play styles. Doc Rivers, you know, he's more of an old school type of guy. And when I look at a coach like Brad Stevens, for example, who's a young guy, he can relate to his players. He's, uh, he's created this system with what he has. Now, again, this is a new team for the Clippers, so I don't want to, you know, totally jump down Rivers' throat. But at the end of the day, I think you need to find – I think if I'm Steve Ballmer – and I'm looking at this whole situation, I think I'm saying I think it's time for someone who can come in and create a culture around this new team with these superstars and these um, other key players that we have that they have. I like what you're saying, Castle, but I don't think moving on from Doc Rivers is the right call because if you look at the Clippers all postseason compared to their regular season, Guys like Lou Williams did not show up at all. Paul George was very inconsistent all postseason. They weren't getting the production that they were expecting. And that's not really on the coaching. That's mostly on the players. It could be on the coaching, but mostly on the players itself. Yes, Doc Rivers. I saw a stat that he has the most game seven losses among coaches of all time, which is definitely very concerning if you're a Clipper fan. But he still is a very successful coach that I think they would be foolish to move on from him. What do you think, Steve? You know, I, I agree. Um, it's tough because he has that name. You know, he's won some championships in this league with the Boston Celtics. He's, his teams, again, are always in the playoffs. So it's tough to move on and from a name like that. Um, and two, I think with a lot of these teams looking for coaches now and like NBA coaches are kind of hard to find right now. Um, you know, Steve Kerr, he's a solid one, but you got to think, well, that Warriors team is good regardless. We saw it with Mark Jackson. They were good, but they never went to that next step. Steve Kerr was able to bring them to that next level, which was the finals and ended up winning that one. Um, 
Now a guy like say even Brett Brown, you know, he lost, he lost all those games when the Sixers were going through that dreadful rebuild. But then he started winning when they had guys like Ben Simmons and Bede when they were healthy and playing well. But again, even when they had that core and even Jimmy Butler just, what was it? Um, I guess not this year, but last, last year, year they lost in the, you know, second round against Toronto. in the semifinals to Toronto. So even a guy like that's a good coach, but then he can't bring, it doesn't seem like he can bring his team to the next level. So it's hard to find guys like that. So the Clippers have a good one in the Doc Rivers. I think you got to give it at least another year if they can't do anything with this team. And it will change because every team changes every year. Um, guys leave through free agency, trades, draft, whatever. So I say give it another year. If they at least don't make the finals next year or even the Western Conference finals, maybe I will change my opinion. But for right now, I think you got to stick with them. Yeah, you both bring up good points. I agree. Like I said, Steve, with you. But that's enough to talk about the Clippers who are out. You got to talk about the team that beat them, the Nuggets. They obviously play the Los Angeles Lakers. I think the series starts tomorrow. At, on paper, it looks like it's it should be a 4-0 sweep for the Lakers on paper. But the way that the Nuggets have been playing, I think it could be a very interesting series. What do you guys think? I think it's going to be a great series. I think LeBron is really going to be put to the test with playing with against guys like Jokic and, and Murray. But on the other hand, I could also see LeBron going on a tear because he knows what this team just did to the Clippers. And I think he really wanted that LA LA series. Um, at the end of the day, I mean, if we're make, if we were to make predictions today before the series even started, I think I'm going to give it to the to the Lakers. I think at the end of the day, they're yes, these young guys did play as as mentioned before. They played one of the premier stars of the league. They played an, another all star. They played a well rounded Clipper team, but now they're going up against LeBron in a series where he's you know, another, you know, four wins away from going to the championship with this Laker team, which is another piece of history that we all know that he wants to write. He wants to show everyone that he can win with this Laker team. And I think that's what's going to fuel the fire for them to win the series. I, um, I, it's tough because, the the pick the favorite pick is the Lakers and that's who I think is I think the Lakers are going to end up going to the finals I think they're going to win the whole thing I just LeBron was on a mission all year and then I know we keep bringing it up and it was a very unfortunate tragedy but when Kobe Bryant passed just what he meant to that franchise in the league and to LeBron I mean they're really playing you know for that um, and not that people have forgotten about it but it wasn't, you know, it's not, um, they're not talking about it as much as when it first happened, but you know, LeBron still doesn't forget. And a lot of those guys, you know, still haven't forgot and still, you know, hurts them to this day. So they're still playing for him and they're still playing just to win a championship regardless, but you can, like I said earlier, count out 
the Denver Nuggets because, I mean, these dudes are going out there and giving it, giving it their all. I mean, they, Jamal Murray's really just impressing me so much this playoffs that, like, it's just tough to count him out. But I think, you know, you thought that after the first series, like, all oh, the Nuggets, Game 7, like, they just looked so sluggish. And then they went to Game 7 against the Clippers, but they prevailed. However, I think now, yes, the Lakers made it, might have a little bit too much rest, but I think the Nuggets, by going to two Game 7s, like, they're going to keep giving it their all, but their um, fatigue is going to uh, start to show, I believe. And it's going to be a good series. I don't think it'll go to Game 7. If anything, I think it'll go Game 5, Game 6. Lakers winning, you know, 4-1, 4-2. Um, but I think it will be a competitive series. You started to talk about the Nuggets going to two Game 7s, being the first team in NBA history to win, back, uh, come back from 3-1 deficits multiple times in the same postseason. You also forgot to mention that they're the – they have the most comeback wins in a postseason. I think they have more than they've come back from uh, being down 15 and winning those games. I think it was three times now, four times, something like that. Yeah, you, you said you can't count them out. And I know everyone is going with the Lakers, but I could see the Nuggets winning in six or seven games. It's the Lakers, and let's seal the deal. Now, what I will tell you is if – the Nuggets do not get ahead early, then I think fatigue will start to be a problem. But it, as long as they keep playing the way that they're playing, I don't think fatigue should be an issue at all. Yeah, Josh, we just um, we try to finish off what you're um, what we thought you were going to say. But if you want to add in, you know, we like how I was talking about the fatigue, and I don't, yeah. I said I think it's going to limit them. Um, then Castle just offered his opinion. So let's uh, finish what you were trying to, you know, say before. I was saying that I could see the Nuggets winning in like six or seven games. I get fatigue is a factor, but you also can't count out the fact that they've already come back from two, three, one deficits. They come back from down 15 when most people would count teams out. They've done it three times already this postseason. These Nuggets don't give up. They are built for the, a deep playoff run, and we're seeing it. They have a good mix of young and veterans, which the Lakers, eh, I mean, yeah, they're young and they have veterans, but Nuggets are different. I, I don't know a better way to put it, but they have great coaching in Mike Malone. And – Jokic and Murray are just a deadly duo. Jokic, I think Magic Johnson was the one who said it. Jokic might be the best passing big man of all time. He had 14, almost 14 assists in that game seven. It's crazy what he does with the ball. He brings the ball up half the time for them. <laughs> and yeah. Jamal Murray like split, which is just crazy thing about a seven foot, you know, giant just with the ball handle of some point guards or shooting guards. So he is, and like I said earlier too, he does just not look like a basketball. I mean, he's tall, (laughs) but he does not look athletic. And there's some funny pictures of him when he was younger going around, you know, certain memes and stuff like that. And even when he was younger, a guy like this, 
beat the Clippers. Yeah, those memes are very funny. <laughs> but, hey, you got to give the guy credit because he did just that. So you can't knock him for it just because of how, he, you know, him not looking athletic because, listen, I have nowhere near the athletic ability he does. So, you know, I got to give it to him. As the saying goes, don't judge a book by its cover. Well, don't, uh, don't judge Jokic by how he looks because the dude will give your center a nightmare in the paint any day of the week. <laughs> exactly. And that'll be very good because he's going to be matched up with Anthony Davis, obviously one of the top centers in the league. So I think those two battling it out, whether it's in the paint or outside, because they both could shoot very well. It'll be a very interesting matchup. Let's jump to the East. We have an exciting finish to game one. Jason Tatum tried dunking in overtime to end the game for the Celtics, but bam, out of bio of the Miami Heat. Had other plans. One of the best blocks I've seen. If game one is just one game of what we could expect, it's going to be a great long series of those of the Heat and the Celtics. What do you boys yeah. think of, the, of that series? I mean, like you said, I'm looking forward to the rest of it because game one was a thriller. And, you know, at times I'm like, you know, I mean, it was close throughout, but then during the fourth quarter, especially towards the end, I'm like, hmm, looks like the Celtics are going to, you know, take this one. But then here come the Heat storming right back. And then it goes to OT. Overtime was really good to watch. Um, and you just see guys like for both teams just stepping up. Jason Tatum for the Celtics. I mean, he has already made a name for himself in this league, but now he's just really just supporting that. He, he is a superstar in this league at, at only, was he, 22 years old? I mean, yeah. a super young age like that. It's just unreal. Um, and then you see on, like, the Heat, you had a guy like Jimmy Butler who – has shown that he's, you know, one of the better players in this league. But now you have guys like Bam Adebayo, who really started to take off this year, but now in this playoffs has just been such a key player for them. And even a guy like Tyler Hero, only 20 years old. He's my age. My age going out there doing that. It's just crazy to watch to think that, like, you know, I'm in my apartment on campus watching him, you know, getting notes to make a podcast and talk about him while he's just – performing this you know in the bubble in the NBA playoffs against guys who are all-stars so he is a special talent it's just it's crazy to see but I hope the rest of the series continues like this and I think it will I mean these two teams are going to go at it um I think this is a perfect Eastern Conference Finals matchup to have um it'll be interesting to see how it play out I really I can't give a prediction right now I know I said a couple weeks ago that he um I didn't say the Heat. Josh said the Heat. I said the Celtics. But the Heat, man, I, they're making don't it sleep. tough. So. No. So, I, I don't know. I'm going to have to keep watching. And I can't give a prediction. It's too tough to tell right now. Mr. Alex, let's hear it. I'm not going to give a prediction either. I am very, very impressed with this Heat team. I think – having a coach like Spolstra who has experience going to the finals, winning finals. I think that helps. I think Jimmy Butler is an outstanding player. I think he's got a lot of great pieces around him. 
Drajic, Adebayo. I mean, you, you, you could keep going on. Hero. The Heat, the Heat have this team. But, hey, do not count out Boston. I am a huge Tatum guy. Huge Tatum guy. I mean, I think he is an incredible player. I think Brown's an incredible player. I think Marcus Smart has been doing great things for this team. My biggest issue with the Celtics is their front court game, how they're going to match up in the paint without a bayou, how they're going to contain him throughout the series. Otherwise, I think it's going to be great all around. I think you're going to see both teams give a lot of good effort. Um, and, yeah, the one thing I will say about this series is do not be shocked if it goes all seven games. And I agree with that, Castle. I hope this series goes to seven games because I would take another game one six more times any day of the week. I think anyone would. Now, that's enough, I think, basketball talk. Week one, NFL is, is over with. None of us are actually happy. Steve's happy. Oh, I'm happy. Steve's happy. I'm not happy. I know Alex isn't that happy. The Jets are the same old Jets. The Giants looking worse than the Jets. The Bears, what a comeback. Mitchell Trubisky proved the haters wrong, I think, in that fourth quarter. We'll start with you, Stevie. Talk about the Bears. And were you impressed about Mitch? Listen, Mitch has received a lot of hate, a lot of backlash, just a lot of negativity around his name. Not for any reasons, but I think a lot of it is, like, because of his play last year, like, people, like, really just seem to hate on him. And it's just, like, why? Because it's not like he's a bad guy or he doesn't put in effort. You know, he just – it takes time to adjust to the NFL. And he didn't ask, like, hey, I want to be drafted number two overall to this team. No. But, like I said, he put in the work in the offseason. He rehabbed his shoulder, really his whole body. Um, but then had beat out Nick Foles in the offseason. So, let me, you know, stop talking about all that and then move to Sunday. So, the first three quarters, not, not that I wasn't impressed, but it was kind of seems like great. Here comes the same thing as last year on the offense not that they were constantly going three and out, but it seemed like they couldn't really score touchdowns. They'd kind of get near the red zone, but then just get stopped. But then the fourth quarter, he, when they were down 17, you know, a lot of people, especially quarterbacks, would just kind of quit and be like, whatever, it's too much. But he, and in the past, he might have done that. But this year, you know, he has that different mindset, and he seemed to, you know, like not quit. And that's what he said, that, you know what, I could come back from this, and he did. So I was impressed. I mean, he had – people are saying that his fourth quarter comeback, he was like 8 for 10, like almost 100 yards, like three touchdowns, like was one of the greatest like fourth quarters ever um, by any QB. And just looking from some of the stats, you know, he was – top 10 in passer rating for this week. Um, he was like top five for average um, air attempts. So, you know, it wasn't like he was just trying little like, um, you know, 
check downs or quick routes. Like he was trying to move the ball downfield. And then his completion, you know, um, yards per attempt were top 10 too. So it can't knock the guy this week for what he did. Like you got to give him credit. And you know what? The Bears are 1-0. And they, they, I mean, they almost blew it. The defense allowed DeAndre Swift to be wide open and he should have caught the ball. And I feel bad for him because I know he's receiving a lot of hate and negativity for him right now. And people got to back off, but they're not. Um, because I doubt if they were in that position, they could have easily dropped it just as much as he did. So, but that wasn't Mitch's fault. That was just a defense. But, you know, I, I'm, I was impressed with Mitch's um, mindset that lead in the game with what was happening to lead the comeback. And hopefully he, uh, he carries this not to just this week, but throughout the season. Because I like Mitch a lot. We'll talk about a preview for next week in a little bit, Steve. So we're going to move okay. on to Alex. We're going to talk what he thought about the Giants week one. And were you impressed or disappointed? So going into this game against Pittsburgh, I had a lot of reservations. I mean, you look at their defense. A lot of great young guys. TJ Fitzpatrick, Devin Bush. I mean, I, I could keep going down the list. Pittsburgh's got a great defense. Their offense – I was a little skeptical about because Big Ben coming back from a year of injury, not being maybe in the best shape, Juju not coming off the best season. Um, but what I saw very quickly was Mike Tomlin exposing us with, with our run game. I mean, our run game was shot completely. I mean, besides Saquon making the highlight of him hurtling, um, it, the run game was shot. So I was not happy with how our offensive line did in that sense. However, our pass protection, I did see improvement. Daniel Jones had more time in the pocket. I mean, you look at that first touchdown that he had to slate in that 41-yard touchdown. He zipped that ball to him right in the middle of the field. Very well executed by Judge. That's another thing, too. I can already see the improvement from the coaching. Defensively, I was also happy, too. Leonard Williams, a guy who we got from the Jets, who I was a little skeptical about. Him getting a sack this week one, I was happy with that. I was, because that shows me that he's made some improvement. So here's what I'll say about the Giants overall. Did we make an improvement from last year? Yes. Do we look better than the Jets? Yes. But there's still a lot more work to be done. I think the line needs to continue to improve. Um, I think he needs – I think the line needs to continue to improve. I think Saquon needs to not, not get better, but I think he needs to work with this line a little better. You know, he is an offensive captain again this season along with Daniel Jones. So I think the two of them need to come together, help out the offense. And lastly, I think the defense needs to learn – how to play the air, the air attack a little better. Too many times I saw Pittsburgh receivers um, on an island of their own just catching the ball and running. So definitely, definitely need to improve. But overall, we only lost by 10 points, so I was happy with it. 
Yeah, hopefully next week Saquon can give you more than six yards against the Bears. Um, probably not, though, with Khalil Mack. Um, but anyway, the Jets, ugh, uh, I don't know where to begin. I'm surprised that we only lost by 10. Our, we have no Le'Veon Bell for at least three weeks because he got hurt. No preseason Father games really affected him. Father Time will now be stepping in. Father Time will be stepping in. I'm excited to see Frank Gore get some extra carries because he's at 72 years old, basically, still looks like a tank. One of the hardest workers in the NFL. All the Jet players are praising him for the shape he's in. But, of course, we had another setback today, I think, in practice. Jameson Crowder did not practice because he pulled a hammy. Because that seems oh, like what that's what all the Jets are doing. I'm really concerned about how they're training. Kind of seems like the Yankees with the injury bug. Um, but for Sunday, this past Sunday, Darnold had one good pass, and it was a dump off to Jameson Crowder that he took off for about 70 yards. Other than that, the pocket just – it's not that the pocket collapsed on him. He just wasn't making the right reads. Seemed nervous, forced things that weren't there. Only get, had one turnover, and that was a terrible pass. But he just did not seem like his head was in the game, and he was overthrowing receivers. But there was definitely a bright side, and his name is Makai Becton. He looked like one of the best rookies on Sunday. And the offensive linemen don't get enough credit when you talk about rookies. Makai Becton protected Sam Darnold and his blind side. And he was a huge factor. And it was definitely very noticeable as Sam had more time in the pocket to deliver passes and holes were opening up for the running game. But the Jets are 0-1 and they play the San Francisco 49ers. So I don't assume that that gets any better for them. But things get very interesting for our show as the Giants and the Bears face off in Chicago, I'll let you two duke it out and uh, go Bears. <laughs> Alex, do you want to start off? Sure. So here's how I look at Sunday's game. Uh, first of all, where is Allen Robinson with, with the current contract talks? So good question. Um, obviously, I believe it was on Tuesday. There was that big, like, um, outbreak of him deleting on social media stuff with bears and then it moved to he's frustrated unhappy with the bears and ended up him requesting a trade in quotation marks however later that day his agent come out came out on instagram and posted that they did not indeed request a trade but, you know, that like it's a process, it's a negotiation, it's going to take some time, have patience. Then Alan Robinson actually was on a Zoom call um, and was interviewed by reporters. And, you know, he didn't give any definitive answers, you know, or clear answers with the contract um, extension process, which most guys won't because he said, like, that's confidential. I'm going to keep that to myself. But, he said that um, his, him being in Chicago 
and staying in Chicago has not changed. You know, he still wants to be here. Um, and that this contract and all this going on is not going to distract him from going out and playing. You know, he said he still wants to go out and play, be leaders, you know, be there for his teammates and try to become, you know, have a good offense and be one of the top offenses in this league and win games. I know a lot of guys say this and then certain things change. Um, and I can see where he's coming from. Um, you're one of the best receivers in the league and all that you've done for this team. You know, he just feels like he should be paid. Um, but I think people are taking this to a whole new level. So for Sunday, I think it should be pretty cleared up, you know, obviously so ongoing, but I think he should be playing. He should be focused, but that's what I think. Really, we don't know. None of us are him. None of us know what's going through his mind. So we, I, well, for my sake, I just got to hope and the Chicago Bears organization's sake, we just hope that he's cool where he's at and he's going to go out and play and perform well. I hope so too. I mean, I listen, I do like Allen Robinson. I think he's a solid receiver. Um, all right, so let's assume that regardless of his status, he comes and he plays Sunday. I will admit, typically, we do not have the best luck when we play at Soldier Field. However, um, I do think that the way that the air game looked, take away the two interceptions, the way that Jones played in the air, he looked really well. I think that if he can get into a good rhythm with Slayton, I mean, I know you guys do have Eddie Jackson and I know you guys just got Gibson, but hey, we were dealing with, with Fitzpatrick last week. So um, I will say that I am, again, concerned about the run game. I mean, you guys do have Mac. You guys have a very nice defensive line. Um, although I'm sure knowing Judge, he's going to re-strategize. So I think picking up from last week, what I saw with the defense as well, with Trubisky, I think we could definitely put pressure on him. I mean – we got Marcus Golden back, who led our team last year with 10 and a half sacks. So I think having him come off the edge with Dexter Lawrence and, uh, and Williams, who also picked up sacks last week, shit, I think we got a good chance coming into Soldier Field. And uh, my prediction is going to be 30-17, uh, go Big Blue. All right. Okay. You know what, Castle? I, I got to give you credit because the Giants and Bears like games – um, always seem to be competitive. Competitive. They always. They, they really do. You know, regardless of who's good or who's not. And you know, even two years ago when the Bears won the division, um, the Giants ended up winning in overtime. And then last year, when you know the Giants obviously still not having the best season, the Bears struggled too. Um, the Bears won, but they didn't blow them out. Um, and that was in Chicago too last year. So, I think it will be a competitive game. Uh, Daniel Jones, like you said, he look, he did impress me on Monday. Those two interceptions, I mean, that first one, T.J. Watt just made a phenomenal play. And most guys won't be able to make that play, but T.J. Watt, a former tight end and just who he is, you know, he's going to make that play. So you gotta, you can't really blame Jones for that. Then the second one, you know, should Shoot he have that. just – yeah, he probably should have just thrown it out of bounds. But in the middle of that play, you know, and he's trying to make it and he's getting hit mid throw. Like that's tough. You can't really, it's yeah. not like he just threw it and overthrew it. Um, and then for Mitch, you know, 
he had no interceptions, three touchdowns. But, you know, again, some of his balls were a little inaccurate or maybe his decisions, for the most part, were much better. But still had a few was like, all right, what are you doing there? Um, and then the Giants defense did look, you know, a lot better, more aggressive. While on the other hand, I'm not going to lie, I was not impressed at all with the Bears defense. Adrian Peterson ran right over us. He almost had 100 yards. I know Saquon didn't do that good. But, again, Saquon can torch any defense. So if the Bears kind of are slacking like they did last week, then Saquon's going to have a field day with them. Um, and even with the pass coverage, I was really impressed with our rookie, Jalen Johnson. Um, I know he got ran over, and people, thinks, people think, like, um, not that he sucks, but, like, oh, he got run over. But if you look at his stats for most of the game, he only allowed a couple catches. He allowed no touchdowns. He had a couple deflections, especially that big one that sealed the game them on the last play. Um, so he's solid. And, you know, Eddie Jackson looked pretty good. Cleo Mack, he didn't have a sack, but he had, like, the second most pressures, forced pressures in um, the whole league. Uh, Joey Bosa, I think it was Joey Bosa, had seven, and then Cleo Mack was tied for second with six. So the Giants line does, for the pass protection, looks a lot more improved. However, I think Cleo Mack can still take advantage of Cam Fleming or the rookie Andrew Thomas. Andrew Thomas is great talent, but you know, again, Khalil Mack is a veteran, an elite pass rusher. He knows different techniques, especially against a rookie. I think he can take advantage of. So really, it's gonna be tough. I think whoever makes the less mistakes, whoever turns the ball, turns over the ball less, um, will win the game. I, you know, you went the big blue. I got to go with Dub uh, Bears. So I think it'll be a close one. I think um, Chicago will end up winning this game 21 to 17. Okay. Also, this, just keep in mind that, yeah, Thomas is a rookie, but hey, that blind side for Daniel Jones, you got Will Hernandez on the inside. So they could easily double up uh, Khalil Mack. That could be, that could be a very easily. Uh, Easy brick wall right there. Well, I'll give you this. If Robert Quinn does not play because he did not play week one with an ankle injury, he was limited in practice. And supposedly Cleo Mack, his knee, like, not that there's something wrong with it, but, like, he was kind of limited during the parts last week in practice, but he ended up playing. He still did pretty well, even though he didn't have a sack, but he was on the injury report again. So I don't know if maybe it's just sore whatever. I'm hoping it's nothing serious. They Knock on wood, they haven't said to be anything serious, but if Robert Quinn plays, watch out. If he doesn't, then obviously you still have to be concerned with a guy like Mac, but I think you'll be able to, you know, contain him. So I'm really looking forward to this game because not only is it so early in the season, but Castle, you're a Giants fan. My brother is a Giants fan. Um, you know, mainly my family's Giants fan, and then I'm a Bears fan. So I think it'll be a fun fun matchup and both these teams are like young quarterbacks still trying to I mean Mitch is a little older than Daniel Jones but he's still trying to find his way in this league Daniel Jones kind of has cemented himself that he could be a solid player but he's still trying to show that he's here to stay um and show that he's consistent as well yes so you know I'm definitely looking forward to this uh this matchup I think is a lot on the line just in week two. Oh yeah We'll Absolutely. check back in next week and see uh, who comes out victorious between Giants and the Bears, as well as recapping week two next week. 
But lastly, we got to talk about the big news that happened in college football. Steve, you're probably most excited out of the three of us about the Big Ten returning. That is huge news. One of the best and most competitive football conferences in college football announced that they are returning starting October 23rd, 24th weekend. They're going to play eight weeks, and that'll allow them to qualify for the playoffs, which is also huge. Huge news. Now every conference except the Pac-12 is back and playing. Steve, as a Wisconsin what fan, is, let's hear it. Oh, yeah. So um, just so like a month ago, I thought that I would just have to watch college football without watching my Wisconsin Badgers take the field. But that changed. Um, it was yesterday, right? Yesterday. Yeah. Listen, I'm, I'm psyched. I'm, I'm super excited. I know just looking at social media, um, every school in the Big Ten is ex- excited. I know all the Wisconsin players were posting stuff like, let's go, posting pictures of them, you know, in-game. Um, so they're excited. Listen, you know, it's going to be different. It still doesn't start for like another month, um, which – but you got to give them time to prepare. I mean, a lot of these schools were practicing and then they stopped. Some of them might have just been like still doing training but not really practicing. So, listen, you know, a lot of these guys may not look – up to skill as they usually would be just because of everything that's going on, but it's just good to have them back. Um, I mean, I doubt they'll have fans. I know a lot of other schools are having fans, but the big 10, since it took them this long to really make a plan at first, they weren't even going to have a season. I don't think there'll be fans, but you know what, at this point, even with NFL, we saw many stadiums didn't have fans and it was still, you know, just good to have football back and good to just watch football again. So I think this will be good. And, you know, a lot of people say SEC is like the biggest conference and most popular conference, which it is. But a lot of people were super excited when Big Ten announced that they were returning to play. And, you know, the Big Ten really, something about it, you know, you have schools like Ohio State, Wisconsin, Nebraska, uh, Michigan, Penn State. Like a lot of people like watching these teams. Um, So, and a lot of these teams are always in the top of the rankings every year. Um, so I, I'm just, I'm looking forward to it. I'm hoping Wisconsin can take advantage of this shortened schedule and mostly in conference schedule. So, and who knows, maybe they'll be able to make um, their first college football playoff uh, appearance. So that'd be awesome to see. Um, I know you guys aren't really like big 10 fans, but are you just excited to see this news or am I the only one? <laughs> No, I like college football. I, I think it's exciting that it's back. I think it's exciting that another sport um, is back. I know that a lot of people felt that it would be better for the athletes to actually be participating in sports because then things would be more regulated on their end in terms of like testing and who they're seeing and everything. So I think that's all good. The one thing that I am a little concerned about, and maybe you guys can answer this, have they specified what the policies will be in terms of fans? Like, will students be able to attend the games? Have they made any of that clear yet? Do you guys know? Don't believe so, but I I was saying I don't think they will have fans. Um, 
just because I know the Big Ten is one of those conferences that has really been big on with everything going on with the whole COVID situation. Um, like a lot of schools down south, not that they don't care about the COVID-19 situation, but they're like, yeah, we're having football from the get-go and we're going to have fans. You know, they weren't going to change their mind. The Big Ten was really going through a whole bunch of plans to see what would work, what wouldn't. And at first they thought, you know what, this is not going to work out. They did more research into it, talked to more people, and they said, I think it will work out. But I think part of the plan probably will not include fans. Again, that's what I'm saying. I'll have to do more research to see. And I think, you know, they released that Big Ten football is happening, but they still haven't released everything. I think within the next couple of days, more information will be released. So probably for next week's show, we should have a lot more information on um, what Big Ten football will look like this season. Okay, thank you for that clarification. But, yeah, otherwise, I think it's going to be great to have it back. I think they're doing it at a good time, giving this entire month of September to settle with students coming back. I think giving most of October is good. Um, And, yeah, I mean, I don't have any fans in the Big Ten, but uh, go Badgers. (laughs) Um, uh, To your point, Steve, I just looked this up. Um, there will not be fans played. They announced that as part of their decision, which makes sense. But either way, we've seen in the NFL not having fans. Like, yeah, it sucks because it's college and the kids are there on campus. But it still doesn't really take away from the game itself's atmosphere because they're still making it work. All the players are juiced and hyped up to play that their skill level will not be impacted that much without having the fans there. They'll still bring the same intensity. I'm hyped to see the Big Ten return because because you have so many competitive teams, Wisconsin, Penn State, Michigan, Ohio State. Any one of those teams can make a deep playoff run. And who knows? One thing I am very interested to see is how many players decide to opt out of the season and declare pro early because that could also vary, that could impact the season. I know a bunch of players have started doing that. So I'm curious to see in the next, in the coming weeks, how many more choose to do that? Yeah. um, Well, I know guys like Jamar Chase, he is fully opted Mm -hmm. out and declared for the draft. Now that's the SEC, but even the Big Ten. That's um, huge though. He's one of the best receivers in the SEC. Yeah. And really just one of the best players in all college football. And Mm -hmm. You know, with the Big Ten, I know they um, – I don't know if these guys will change opinions now because they will have a season, but a guy like Micah Parsons, he linebacker for Penn State, he's a top draft guy, um, very athletic, very fast at the linebacker position. Who knows if he will return to Penn State for the season player, if he's just going to say, you know what, I'm just going to focus on preparing for the draft, stay healthy. Um, and a guy like Rondell Moore, receiver for Purdue, he opted out like a month or two ago. Same thing. He was very talented. He was hurt all of last season. Supposed to have another big year this year. Um, very fast, small, but very fast, very athletic. He opted out. Even Ohio State has two guys, a lineman who, the best lineman who, again, another top pick and a corner, Sean Wade, who is a top, supposedly supposed to be a top pick, kind of like Jeff Okuda. Um, you know, with this, you see some of these teams now, like, in the Big Ten, are um, 
losing a lot of talented players, which could have helped like teams like Minnesota or Wisconsin take advantage of that. Um, or even I saw, I think Michigan, Dylan McCaffrey yep. is opting out Just and expecting to transfer. Yeah. Transferring. So, you know, Wisconsin, I don't think has had any opt outs, knock on wood. Um, I mean, listen, they opt out. I fully support them. And I'm sure the school will because of the situation going on, but I know they all want to play. And a lot of these guys, they, they can really make a name for themselves. Um, they may not be like, like a high draft prospect, but they have a good season. Um, they can really make a name for themselves. I know like for Wisconsin's sake, Eric Burrell, Burrell, whatever. Um, I don't know exactly how to pronounce his last name because think some people say it differently safety though had a great year last year and i think right now it's like maybe a mid round draft pick but if he has an, a solid season he could be one of the top safeties getting picked this year's in this year's draft so um you know it's really going to be interesting but I, i'm just glad that it's back and now i'll have my bears to watch and also my wisconsin badgers to watch yeah, I'm like I said, I'm excited. Big Ten is back. I know you are. We all are. But we got to wait at least another month for them to begin play. Um, but that'll do it for this week's show. Thank you all for tuning in and listening. Once again, I'm your host, Josh Fromwitz, and I am joined by Stephen Minazzo and Alex Castle. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram if you have not done so. It is at 3P Podcast. Thank you.